are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you from Dallas, Texas, which is my home base. I have absolutely loved my role serving as your host because it allows me to be on the constant lookout for people with interesting stories. I want your time with us to be both educational and inspirational and ideally give you some insight that will help you get to where it is you'd like to be in your own career. So to do so, I try to bring on a wide array of guests across various ages, backgrounds, and professions. Last week, my guest was Steve Taylor, who is a very accomplished sales and operations leader in the Pacific Northwest selling farm and agricultural equipment. He talked about the importance of finding a good fit company that matches your personality, values, and skill set, and clearly has found the right home for himself and the team he manages at RDO Equipment Company. This week, my guest is Nancy Shugart. I met Nancy when the two of us went through Leadership Texas last year, and I was so hopelessly impressed with her and all she's done in her life and work that I just had to have her on the show. You'll see what I mean in just a moment when you hear her interview. Nancy is an award-winning author, professional speaker and trainer, recognized community volunteer, and the CEO of a company called Prove Them Wrong. She is also a celebrated businesswoman as the recipient of the Blazing Star Award presented by the Women's Chamber of Commerce of Texas. She joins us today from Austin, Texas. Nancy, I am so glad you're here with me. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Elise. Thank you. And thank you for that wonderful introduction. But, you know, no introduction of me is complete without me introducing my short, hairy guy. (laughs) (laughs) Do tell. Do tell. I have to introduce him, Elise. The listeners need to know who he is. He, He stands 23 inches tall. He's got four legs, two floppy ears, and a long tail. And his name is Porsche. I've got a Porsche. And he is a yellow lab. He's my guide dog. And he's laying right here by my side. He says hi to everyone. Hi, Porsche. I've met him many times in our time together last year in Leadership Texas. Yes, you're absolutely right, Nancy. No introduction is complete without talking about Porsche. Yes. <laughs> you know, Welcome, Elise, Porsche. he's a graduate of Guide Dogs for the Blind, which is out on the West Coast. And as you know firsthand, he is also the first and only male to graduate from Leadership Texas. <laughs> <laughs> I do know that, and I remember it very well. Didn't you say you also had an honorary degree from, like, an Ivy League school as well? Oh, this is just too much. Yes, um, this past May, just a few months ago, I got a scholarship from Wells Fargo Bank to attend a one-week business class at the Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth College in Hanover, New Hampshire. And so Porsche, of course, was with me, and he just schmoozed everyone. And so at the end of the week, they presented a certificate of of completion to all of us students, and then they presented a diploma to Porsche. And I'm like, you have an Ivy League diploma? He didn't even (laughs) do anything. He just laid under the table at my feet. I'm like, (laughs) so yes. The most uh, celebrated dog. It's wonderful. And, you know, I have to say, Nancy, you have such a wonderful story. And I am so glad that Porsche is is there at your side to to help you and be with you. It's it's a great story. And I know that our listeners will love hearing it. 
Um, and before we get into it, I do want to hear, I want you to be able to narrate all the amazing story that I got to learn about you in the short time that we have together. But but first, um, will you say a little bit about your current company, Prove Them Wrong? What What's the mission of your company? What do you, what are you doing today? Yes, so the mission of Prove Them Wrong is to provide, uh, provide unshakable evidence that we can all do more than most believe to be possible. That is my mission. I, I have lived it, I have loved it, and I'm like, I want everyone to understand that we are only achieving a small portion of what we're capable of achieving. So that's the mission of Prove Them Wrong. Mm-hmm. And you know, Nancy and listeners, I have to say, I've heard you speak, and Nancy, you are inc- you're riveting. I mean, I'll never forget when you spoke to the group of, of schoolgirls at the leadership school there in Austin, and I mean, they, they they were at their feet. It was beautiful, Nancy. You you definitely are a convincing speaker, and I know that comes a lot from what you've what you've how you lived your own life, how you've achieved your own goals, uh, and how you've proven others wrong for yourself. And so, to that end you got to tell us the story of how this whole thing came to be, um, how you decided to name your company, what were the events that led up to you doing the work that you do today, and that original dream that set you afire. Well, you know, what, wouldn't you agree, and I have to start with this, wouldn't you agree, Elise, and everyone who's listening, that sometimes our greatest gift is in being told you can't do something. Mm-hmm. I do agree. Yes, ma'am. Because I think that that's when we're standing at the brick wall and we're like, Okay, what do I do? Do I just sit down here at the at the foot of the brick wall and accept what everyone else is saying, or do I see how high I can climb and reach the top of that brick wall and get over it? And so, you know, what started with me was I started off like any any other kid, you know, normal first 7 years of life, perfect. Turned 8 years old and my whole life turned upside down. I lost my eyesight. I went blind. And it was not what my parents were expecting. It was not what I was expecting. No one in our family had ever been blind. My parents didn't know quite what to make of it. And um, I was growing up in a real small town outside of Houston. It was called Baytown, Texas. And it was a wonderful place to grow up. But again, you know, I was, to my knowledge, I was the only one other than one blind man that before I went blind, I saw him in town. And, you know, and I was like, okay, well, how do I deal with this? And the, uh, the only tool I was given as a small child, <clears throat> I had a tiny bit of sight left. So, that, so everyone said, okay, you've got to use what little sight you have left. So I was given a magnifying glass. And I, so when I started third grade, I'm like, you want me to read that, to read all of my school books? <laughs> no way. I'm not taking that to school with me. The other kids will tease me. So, you know, at least it was really tough. I just, I would save all of my work until I got home in the evening, and then I would read all of my school books with that tiny magnifying glass. And, and needless to say, by the time I got to my teenage years and using that system and not really getting any help and not understanding how to cope with this myself, by the time I hit my teenage years, I was angry. And I was, I was ready to throw in the towel. I was ready to give up on my dreams and honestly... I was ready to give up on life. And, um, you know, when the Department of Public Safety said I couldn't get a driver's license just because I couldn't see, I was like, what? (laughs) What do you mean? You know, that's not fair. Every human being on the face of this earth is getting a driver's license, and I can't. I'm the only one in the world that won't drive. You know, that's teenage girls never overreact, do they? (laughs) No, no. No, they don't. (laughs) And, you know, so that was how I was feeling. 
and I was standing at the crossroads, and honestly, you know, when that hit me, I was like, aha, so I really am going to be different the rest of my life from everyone else, and I, that was when it really hit me, and I thought, okay, now my dream up until that point had always been to be a teacher. Ever since I was in Mrs. Blackburn's kindergarten class, I could see myself at the front of that class. I thought, I can do what she's doing. And every time I'd sit in school, every day, I would be picturing myself up there as the teacher and thinking, I can do that, I can do that. Hey, I could even do that better, you know, and thinking like that. But then when I hit that sophomore year in my high school, my, I thought, this is it. Not only do I want to give up on my dream, but I want to give up on living. I don't even want to have anything to do with this anymore. And I will tell you that out of absolute desperation, I began to look around and I began to study people. And I began to notice things, Elise, that made absolutely no sense to me. I don't know if you've ever just really studied people and studied what others are saying and thought to yourself, hmm, that's not making sense. Have you ever done that? I have. Yes, ma'am. I love that exercise. It's, it's interesting to hear the distinction between what they actually say and what they think they're meaning and conveying. Yes, I know what you mean a little bit, but I'd love to hear more. Well, so what, I, what I was noticing was, and this was not necessarily people that I would meet in person, but stories I would hear on television or my favorite books to read were biographies because I always feel biographies are like a roadmap to success. And every biography I would read would be about someone who had achieved phenomenal success, but you didn't get to that part until nearly the end of the book. Up until then, you were reading about every failure they encountered, all the struggles they encountered, all the mountains they encountered. And I'm like, wait a minute. They didn't just have it easy and achieve success. They really fought for it and worked for it and were passionate about where they were going. And I thought, wow, you know, and a lot of people, most people told them they would never achieve success. And I started thinking, wait a minute. If people were wrong about these great leaders, leaders of businesses, leaders of nations, leaders of families, leaders of schools, all kinds of leaders, if people were wrong about them, maybe people are wrong about what I can achieve. And I started to think differently about my life, and I started to think maybe I, too, can prove people wrong. Now, I will say that I had the best parents in the world. They had very little education. My mom had a fifth-grade education. She came to this country when she was in her 30s. It was right after World War II. She was from Denmark, and when she got to America, she could not speak a word of English. And by the time I was born, her English was pretty good, but... Uh, you know, and she would offer to read to me because she knew how much I struggled to read, but I cannot speak Danish, so it made it hard to understand my mom at times. And my dad, he offered to read to me too sometimes, but he was from West Texas. I could understand my mom better than my dad. <laughs> you know, so, but I had the best parents in the world. They, they did not have much education. But I'll tell you that they were two of the smartest people I think I've ever met because they told me that I could achieve anything I wanted to. And they said, you have to work for it. And though they had very little education, they said, Nancy, please go to college because it will just take you places that you otherwise can never go. So when I graduated from college, I did something that no one in my family had ever done. 
and that is I went to college. And I loved it, Elise. I mean, I loved it. It was just, it was this whole new world. I didn't even know it existed. I had never known anyone who had gone to college. I'd never met anyone who had gone to college. I was like in this whole new strange world, but I loved it. Um, but the challenge was I was still reading all of my books with that tiny magnifying glass. And by my junior year in college, I was just falling further and further behind. And, uh, there was one class I was taking. It was Spanish. It was required because for my degree plan, and I was failing it because I could I, I could barely read English with the magnifying glass, much less another language. And my Spanish teacher, I'll tell you, you know how you meet those people along your journey that just transform your life? Mm-hmm. They make all the difference in the world to you. Yes, I do. I'm going to try not to cry as I tell you about this lady because she was one of those people who was just on my journey very briefly in my life, but she literally changed my life. She was a graduate student from Peru, and she was our Spanish teacher, and one day she kept me after class, and I knew why she was going to keep me. I knew that I was failing the class, and I thought, oh my goodness, she is going to advise me to drop the course so I don't get an F. And I thought, I can't drop this class. I have to have it for my degree plan. So when she dismissed the class, I tried to sneak out with all my classmates. <laughs> but then I realized it's virtually impossible for a blind person to sneak anywhere. <laughs> Nancy, you're awesome. I called back in class, and I'm like, oh, no, here it comes. I know she's going to tell me to drop the class. So I sat down, and we're sitting there talking. And you know, little did I realize that, As a young girl growing up in Peru, her dream in life had always been to earn a degree from an American university. And here she was today teaching in an American university. And I thought, what kind of obstacles must have been placed before this young girl for her to achieve her dream? The word impossible and the words give up, they were not in her vocabulary. And she was not about to advise me to give up. Instead, she said, hey, Nancy, I see how you're struggling to see to read your book. She said, go over to the financial aid office and ask them to hire a reader for you. I went, I'm a junior in college. Nobody has ever told me that this is a service that's available. Are you serious? They'll do that? She said, I think so. Go over there. I said, okay. So I went over there, and I walked up to the the counter, and there was a lady back there, and and I told her, you know, I didn't know if this was a good idea or not, idea or not. so I decided to blame it on my Spanish teacher. I said, look, I can't see, but my Spanish teacher said, you can help me. And so I thought if it was a bad idea, it was all the teacher's fault, right? But, um, and the lady behind the counter, she says, well, you don't need us. We can't help you. And I thought, oh, great. Here we go again. Everybody has told me they can't help me. And she says, but why don't you go over to the Commission for the Blind? And I'm thinking... I, you know, I can still see a little bit, so I don't think I'm blind. So I said, I'm not blind. I just can't see. <laughs> <laughs> Which went over so well. Oh, she, I, I, yeah, it's a lucky thing. I couldn't see her face because she's probably thinking this is a crazy child. But anyway, I, I, here I was. I had not been able to see for 12 years. I had never heard of this agency, the Texas Commission for the Blind. Never heard of it. But she told me where to find it. I found my way over to their office, and I walked in, and 
And I talked to the counselor, Martha Garber, who's up there close to your area. She's in Denton at the University of North Texas, which is where I was going to college. And she's still there. But anyway, so I walked into her office, and I told her. Uh, I showed her the letter from my ophthalmologist that I had received 12 years earlier. And I said, this will explain what's wrong with my eyes. Macular degeneration, retinitis pigmentosa. The retina nerve in both eyes just deteriorated. And I said, but I'm not blind. I know y'all just help blind people here. I said, but maybe you can help me somehow. And she was reading the letter, and she stopped, and she said, Nancy, the letter says your visual acuity is 2200. I said, yeah, I know. And she said, Nancy, 2200 is legally blind. You're blind. I said, no, I'm not. She said, yes, you are. I said, well, that would explain why I can't see. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. At least I know this sounds like a crazy story. Blind for 12 years and never knew it, you know. And today I have no visual acuity, but I can still see light. Um, But I just, I couldn't get over it. I said, you mean really? 12 years? I've been blind and didn't know it. And she said, Nancy, how in the world, you know, have you managed to do various things? She says, like, like cook or shop for clothes or cross the street without getting killed. I said, well, you know, Martha, I said, um, you know, I've had to develop my own system for survival over these 12 years, and I think I've come up with a pretty good system. I said, for example, with, with cooking, I said, it's still the system I use today. I said, smell smoke, it means turn the oven off, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> Or dinner's ready, one of the two. Exactly, you know, and shopping for clothes. Well, I just buy all the same color, so I, I, you know, I don't have any trouble matching the clothes. It's boring, yes, but, you know, hey. And then crossing streets, well, if you hear tires screeching, that means run. Run like heck. (laughs) Run, exactly. Run like heck, you know, just get across the street. But, you know, and seriously, I look back on it now and I think, how in the world did I survive without getting killed all those years? But she said, you know, we finally got back to talking about why I, why I was there. And, and I said, you know, Martha, I said, I, I have trouble seeing to read. I said, um, I'm using this tiny magnifying glass, and I just can't keep up with my reading assignments. And she says, well, we can do one of two things. We can either hire a reader for you, or there's a machine over in our, our university's library. It's called a CCTV. Today they're called video magnifiers. And she said, why don't you go over there, take a look at it, and see if it will enlarge the print uh, so that you can see it. And I'm I'm getting all excited. So I leave her office, and as I'm walking over there, though, I'm thinking, eh, if this is so great, why didn't my doctors tell me about it? Then I thought, hey, my doctors never told me I was blind either, so maybe I should. <laughs> Nancy, let me stop you for just a moment here. I want to hear the rest of that story, but we've got to cut for a short break, and I want to hear all the details, so hold that thought. Okay. It's time for our our first break. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Nancy Schugert, who is an award-winning author, professional speaker and trainer, recognized community volunteer, and the CEO of Prove Them Wrong. We've been talking about how she learned about her her in, incoming blindness and how she navigated that to get through college. After the break, we're going to learn about what she loved about teaching, why she got into it, and a couple inspiring stories. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. 
Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. We're here with Nancy Schugert, who is an award-winning author, professional speaker and trainer, recognized community volunteer, and the CEO of a company called Prove Them Wrong. She joins us from Austin, Texas, along with her constant companion, Porsche. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. Let's pick up where we left off. And before our break, Nancy, you were talking about really that that pivotal moment in your life, really that probably made all the difference in the world for you, where you were going to get some help in actually being able to read, navigate your studies, and really in some ways begin to see the light in your blindness. Will you finish that story for us? Absolutely. You know, I got over to the university's library, and there was, I went into this room where this machine called a video magnifier was being kept, <clears throat> and the librarian asked me to sit down in front of it. It looks like a large television screen that is raised up on legs, and the librarian asked me if I had a book that I wanted to read, and I said, sure. So I pulled out my music history book and opened it up and placed it under there, and I remember as she leaned over to turn the machine on, she said, you know, a Lions Club donated this to our library. And I thought, wow, that's great. Well, she turned the machine on, and within seconds, the print from that book appeared up on the screen in large, bold black letters. This machine could raise the print by about 40 to 60 times. So very different from that tiny magnifying glass that I had been using since, you know, for the last 12 years. I looked at that, and I just I broke down crying. I was like, I know I can do this now. I can finish my college studies. I can finish college. I couldn't believe it. And I'll tell you another story about Lions. Today, I'm the president of the South Austin Lions Club here in mm-hmm. Austin, Texas. So, uh, you know, I feel like this is my way of giving back now. But I did go on, graduated from college, 
And then I moved to Austin, Texas in search of a teaching job. And I got here, and it was the middle of the school year because I'd graduated in December. I got here in January, and there were no jobs available. So I just started going to all the workshops that I heard the school district was offering to their teachers. And I just showed up and acted like I was a teacher, and I would sign in at the registration table, and they would say, well, where do you teach at? And I'm like, well, you haven't hired me yet, but you will this fall. (laughs) This is very bold. You know, like, and they didn't know how to respond to me, so they would let me go on into the workshop. I was like, cool, this is great, you know, and I did substitute teaching during that spring semester, and sure enough, when the fall semester came, Elise, I got my teaching job. I was hired, and I went on to teach in the public schools here in, in the Austin Independent School District for more than two decades, something many experts had told me could never happen because of my blindness. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, well, what was that it was about incredible. that profession, though, Nancy? Why were you so fervently passionate about becoming a teacher? What was it about teaching? Besides the fact that you had Miss was it Blackburn in, in kindergarten, Black- what yep. was it about teaching? You know, I don't know if it's just something that we're born with this passion in our heart, but I just knew from, a ve- from the time I was five years old that was what I wanted to do. And I'm guessing that you and our listeners here today can probably look back on their life and go, you know, I was really passionate about this or that. Or maybe that passion, you know, reveals itself later in life. I'm not sure. But for me, it revealed itself very early. I wanted to make a difference. I would picture myself up there in front of the students and thinking, you know, I want to make learning fun. I want to get through to every single child. And and that, that was just my passion. I just wanted to. Mm-hmm. And I think listeners are probably dying to understand, as I certainly am here. Just can you quickly tell us or briefly tell us how in the world did you, I mean, for 20 years, great papers and all the things you had to read, you must have various uh, pieces of equipment or something to help you. How did you do that all those years? Well, all those years, the only equipment I had was that video magnifier, and I would use wow. that to grade papers. Of course, the last few years I was teaching, <clears throat> we had the computer. So then I got speech software on my computer, and that would read everything. That made everything a lot easier. I can scan documents into the computer and have the speech software read it to me. So, you know, it's just I I choose Rocco's voice. You know, we can have a lot of fun with all these different voices that we we have in our speech software, and it's it's great. So I, I have that software. And then in the classroom, I would have the students take on a lot more responsibility than they probably had to in their other classrooms. Um, If there were discipline problems, I would say, look, I'm going to say, if I hear someone talking, I will say, say your name if you're talking. You have 30 seconds to say your name. Actually, I think I gave them three seconds. And I said, if you say your name within those three seconds, all I'm going to do is say, thank you for your honesty, and I'm going on with the lesson. No punishment. However, if you are not honest, and then I find out that it was you, you're going to have lunch detention with me. And they dreaded lunch detention. And because my last name is Sugart, I called it the Sugart Cafe. And they would always (laughs) tell each other, oh, I've got to have lunch in the Sugart Cafe today. Oh, no, you poor thing. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, I'd be teaching another class when they would come in to have lunch. And, you know, they got no attention. They couldn't socialize with their friends who were in the cafeteria. They didn't get any attention from me. They were like, I'm so bored. I don't ever want to be in here again. (laughs) So 
<laughs> so that was that. So they took on, and it was amazing, Elise, because they really took on that responsibility. And once they called themselves down and said, yes, it was me, they fixed the problem. I didn't have to fix it. That's brilliant, Nancy. That is just positively brilliant. Um, now, along those lines, one other thing that I think would be interesting for the listeners to understand, and I've been curious about as well, I mean, you function, you know, from, from, from the outside when we see you and interact with you, you know, most of us really don't immediately know that you're blind. For example, I mean, how in the world you get emails from me from at all hours, you respond immediately. How do you navigate your emails? So I have speech software on my computer, and so whenever the, the email comes in, of course, you know, you hear a little sound, you know, that indicates you have an email. And so I click on the email, and the speech software will read it to me. And then as I'm typing my reply back to you, it reads what I'm typing. And, mm, and that's it's lovely. Both, because I can, I can hear the spelling mistakes in my own typing, and I'm like, ah, I can catch the spelling mistakes that way. Of course, spell check catch, catches it a lot, too. But, yeah, so that's how I do it. That's great. I, I knew that listeners would, would want to understand that. It helps us better understand your world and how you navigate. So that's, that is beautiful. Well, and you know the iPhone. I just, you know, I, I was, I held out on getting an iPhone for many years, and then I've had mine now for about three years. And I mean, there's so many wonderful apps. There's one app on there called Money Reader. I can aim it at a bill, a dollar bill, and it will tell me if it's a one, a five, a twenty, anything, you know. And I'm like, this is so cool. And there's just there's so many different apps on the phone that that can be used and. Um, books, you know, I read all my books on on the Kindle and Nook app now uh, mm-hmm. because it's on my iPhone, and so my iPhone reads my books to me. So mm. it's, it's it's just amer- amazing. It's like mm. I, I access everything that everyone else can now. I'm so glad to hear that, Nancy. It's just lovely to hear you have such a joyful um, mm-hmm. aspect about you. You have this joyful personality and and spirit. It's just lovely to be around and. Another reason I wanted to have you on the show to share that with our listeners, too, because I think it's very inspiring. And, you know, if if you can do what you've done, then, boy, we can do what we want to do, too. Well, you know, and and as you heard in my earlier life, especially my teenagers, I was in a very dark place. And so mm-hmm. I think the reason that I'm so joyful for the last, I don't know, 30 years of my life is just because I'm so grateful for life. I'm so grateful for what I have learned and what I have come out of, you know, that I'm not in that dark place anymore. So if anyone's listening that hasn't found it yet, just keep going because you will. It's out mm-hmm. there. You'll mm-hmm. find it just in that corner. Thank you for that, Nancy. And, and along those lines, one of the things I really did also want you to share, if you would, is I, in all those years you were teaching, I got to believe there were at least a couple kids along the way that whose journey maybe you really were proud to be part of. Can you share a story or two with us, maybe about a couple? I'd love to. There, there was one boy that I will absolutely never forget. In fact, we're Facebook friends, and I just adore this kid. He came to our school. The school I taught at was a very low-income school, and so we, we had a very transient population. It, it changed quite often. He came to our school when he was in the fourth grade, nine years old, and he was in trouble right away in all of his classes except mine. And I thought, well, you know, what's going on? Why, you know, what's going on in the other classes? Well, he was acting out a lot. But in my class, he was very talented. I taught music, and he was very talented in music. He could sing, but more than that, he could act because he was just a character. So when it came time to put on the spring musical, I gave him the lead role. We were putting on Robin Hood. So he was Robin Hood, but I'll never forget one day after one of the rehearsals, he stayed after, 
And this nine-year-old boy is looking up at me, and he says, Miss Sugar, how come my mama left me? Mm. And I said, what? And he said, she walked out on me and my daddy when, we were, when I was three years old. And, you know, when you look into the eyes of a nine-year-old boy and hear a child like that, and I followed him through the years. I know that he had dropped out of high school, and I was so sorry to hear that. He ended up going to prison. But then I saw him when he was in his late 20s. He was married, a family man, had children, and he said, Miss Sugard, I'm never going back to prison. I have made it. And he was so thrilled to reconnect with me. And he posted on Facebook, he said, do you know that the only time in my life I ever got to be a child was when I was in your classroom? And I thought, wow, you know, that, that meant a lot to me. And he, he has straightened out his life. He's doing great now, and he loves his children and everything. Um, so that was one story, but I'll have to tell you another one because this ties in with that Sugar Cafe story I told you. So one of my other former students, I knew that he had made it to law school, and not too many kids from the school where I taught at ever went to college, much less graduated from law school. So when he posted on Facebook that he had passed the bar exam, I was like, wow. So I posted back to him and I said, hey, Matthew, I remember one day when you were in fifth grade and you needed a lawyer. (laughs) 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 Because I had given a test and it was a multiple choice test and I couldn't see that he, w- he was the smartest kid in the class, and I had no doubt he was going to score 100. But there were a few other kids in the class that I was really shocked when I graded their papers and realized they had gotten 100. And I went, I smell a rat here. Something's not right. So I started calling in various kids uh, one at a time, and I started asking them, you know, what, what happened? What was going on during the test that I didn't catch? And every one of them said, Miss Sugar, Matthew was holding up one for A, two for B, and three for C uh, fingers, you know. And I was like, so he was giving the answers out. And they said, yeah. So I called Matthew and I said, what what was going on during the test? And he said, Miss Sugar, I I cheated. I was giving out the answers. And he was very honest. He would Hmm. never lie, not to save his life. He would not lie, you know. And I just just adored this kid. And I said, "Um, well, you know, there has to be a consequence for this. I appreciate your honesty, but, you know, I said, I'm going to have to come up with a whole new test, retest the entire class, and then I'm going to have to grade all those tests all over again, spend an evening doing that. He said, yes, ma'am. I said, so lunch detention. He said, the sugar cafe? I said, yes. He said, today? I said, no, all week. He said, all week? A week? And he, I heard later he went to another teacher, and he said, Miss Lopez, I've been sent to the rock. And she said, what do you mean, Matthew? He said, she said, did you get suspended from school? He said, worse than that, I've been sent to the Sugar Cafe for a week. <laughs> oh, fate worse than death. Yes, worse than su- suspension. So, so, yeah, that was the time he needed a lawyer. It would have been helpful if he had had one. But um, anyway, so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of stories. But, you know, it, I think being a teacher, is, it, it truly is a fabulous career. It really is. Well, what, what did you love about it? Was it just the you know, touching of lives, knowing you made a difference? Making a difference, uh-huh. yeah. Making a mm-hmm. difference in other lives. And, you know, every now and then a parent would come by and say, you know, you're, you're, my child comes home from school and they just adore you. And I'm like, it's so nice to be adored by somebody, yeah. you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's for sure. 
a good feeling, you know? So, yeah, that's it. Okay. Awesome. Well, we have just a couple minutes before our next break here, and I would love to hear, I know you're working on some new books, as if you weren't busy enough, you busy woman. Um, There's a, I think there's, you called it the Prove Them Wrong book series, and I understand you'll be calling for stories from people from various careers and backgrounds to tell their story of going above and beyond what others believe that they thought was possible. How cool is that, Nancy? So how how far along in the process are you? Where are you, and when is this stuff going to come out? Well, I've, I've released the first book. It's titled Prove Them Wrong, The Kids Who Refuse to Quit. And for that book, it's a collection of 20 stories of people I interviewed, adults that I interviewed who were told as children that they would never amount to anything. And as adults, they achieved phenomenal success. Now, that book um, is all about kids who were either born with or acquired a disability. However, the rest of the Prove Them Wrong book series is not going to be about dis- specifically about disabilities. It's just generic. So the next several books to come out will be Teachers Who Refuse to Quit. So teachers who have a story of not giving up on a particular student or teachers who themselves are going through maybe a difficult challenge in life and they have a story to tell. There'll be another book, Teenagers Who Refuse to Quit, because how many times do teenagers give up? Mm-hmm. And there's so many teenagers who don't give up, and so there's going to be a book devoted to them. And there'll be a book devoted to parents who refuse to quit, uh, veterans who refuse to quit, medical professionals who refuse to quit. And so I will be calling for those stories on my website very soon, before the end of this year, so if people will just check back to ProveThemWrong.com and look for, for that, uh, we will be calling for those stories shortly, probably in the next two months. Oh, my gosh, Nancy, that is so amazing and wonderful. I'm so glad to hear you doing that. I can't be surprised, but what I love about what you're doing is that it's just that wonderful gift of yours that just keeps giving. And one, I, of course, you know that I love the idea of the storytelling in and of itself, but the fact that you're doing it to encourage people never to give up and inspire them to, to go on when they don't want to, I think is, is really lovely. Well, thank you, because, you know, I believe that if everyone understood what was possible, that they, too, would refuse to give up. You know, it was people that had refused to give up that inspired me. So all of these stories that will be in these books, that's the mission. It's to inspire others. Do not give up. We've got to stop the quitting. We have to. We're losing too many gifts and talents when people give up. I couldn't agree more, Nancy. I couldn't agree more. And it's a, you've just situated us beautifully for, for our, our, our next break here. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Nancy Sugart, who is an award-winning author, professional speaker and trainer, recognized community volunteer, and the CEO of a company called Prove Them Wrong. After the break, I want you to spend some time, if you will, Nancy, telling us about your seven leadership principles. So I hope you'll stay with us, listeners. We'll be right back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Want more positivity in your life? Are you ready to get healthy, happy, and energized? Join the Stella Donna Goddess Gals, Cynthia Bryan, and Heather Brittany for a power hour of stimulating, supportive conversation on Star Style. Be the star you are. A lineup of best-selling authors, celebrities, and experts. Join the effervescent mother-daughter dynamic duo in this upbeat, positive, life-changing talk radio playground. Star Style, Be the Star You Are, Wednesdays, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Lend us your ears. It's power time. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. I'm Elise Cortez, your host, calling in from Dallas, Texas, my home base. We're here with Nancy Shugart, who is an award-winning author, professional speaker and trainer, recognized community volunteer, and the CEO of a company called Prove Them Wrong. She joins us from Austin, along with her constant companion, Porsche. (laughs) She's been sharing how she's been writing books and some of the things she's done in her recent career, and I've asked her for this last segment to really devote it to telling us about her seven leadership principles. So if you would, Nancy, tell us about those principles and maybe give us some idea of some examples, et cetera, of how you bring them to life. I sure will, Elise. Thanks for asking. The first one, I say, have the courage to hear what others say is impossible and believe you will be the one to make it happen. And you see, when I was a senior in college, I was called into the, the, one of the professor's office, and he told me, point blank, he said, Nancy, no principal in the public schools is ever going to hire you. Get out of education, change your major. Had I chosen to listen to him, had I chosen to listen, I never would have achieved my dream of becoming a teacher. So I say, have the courage to hear what others say is impossible and believe you will be the one to make it happen. Don't worry if you don't have all the answers right now. You know, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, you don't have to see the whole staircase, just take the first step. Just go out there. You'll figure it out as you go along. The second mm. principle, yeah. The second just, step. The sorry, second I'm going to say really is, quick here, Nancy. I just want to chime in on that because I, in my class, I'm teaching a professional seminar class at Southern Methodist University, and one of the students in there was saying how, how much she appreciated the speaker this week who said that exact same thing, um, the mm. importance of you know going past. If somebody says something is impossible, find a way to make it so if it matters to you. So I just really wanted to echo that first one. That's perfect because how many great leaders have done that? Every single I, one of them. Yeah. Every, of them, yeah. Uh, that's that's what makes a leader a leader. Is you don't you don't let the naysayers pull you off your journey. Yeah. You stay focused on where you are going and don't let others pull you off course. 
So, and, you know, he was saying that to me, not to be hurtful, but to try to prevent me from being hurt. He thought that this profession I had chosen would have its doors closed to me because of my blindness. But passion overrides all of that. It does. If you're passionate, Mm -hmm. you'll figure out a way to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And the second principle is step out from behind other people and blaze your own trail. You know, leaders are not followers. Leaders are leaders. And when I was a kid, one of my biggest challenges was that I was always tripping and falling over things because, like I said, I didn't get any help. I didn't have a guide dog. I didn't have a white cane. I didn't get any help, so I was always tripping and falling, and I thought, there's got to be a better system than this. So I uh, began finding people that were going in the same direction that I was going, and I thought, well, I could still see a little bit. I could see enough to see a person in front of me, but, you know, so I thought if I could just follow right behind them, if there's something in our way, they'll walk around it, and I'll walk around it. And I thought, this is brilliant. There was just one problem, Elise. I ended up going a lot of places I didn't want to go. <laughs> I bet you did. I did. I did. And I'm like, okay, this isn't working so well. And that's the truth about anything. You have to step out from behind others and blaze your own trail. Don't be afraid to be different. Get out there and go after what's in your heart. The third principle is allow no mountain to stand in your way. I discovered that during that very dark time during my teenage years when I was at the crossroads and wondering, do I give up? And if I don't give up, why not? Why should I persevere? And I began to look around and I began to notice people who, in my opinion, had everything they could possibly need to succeed, and yet so many were not. And at the same time, I saw people who, in my opinion, had far less than what I had, and yet they were doing phenomenal things with their lives. And like, for example, some of the people that I featured in my first Prove Them Wrong book, there was one young man named John V. Wright. As a child, he was born severely brain damaged due to cerebral palsy. And the doctors told his parents, he's never going to walk, he's never going to talk, he's never going to think. John V. Wright went on to earn a bachelor's degree and a master's degree and went on to live his dream as a meteorologist for the National Weather Service for 30-plus years. Mm. Married, his wife is a professor at Virginia Tech University. I'm like, hello? So he proved them wrong. And there's countless stories of people who have gone above and beyond what anyone dared to dream as possible. So allow no mountain to stand in your way. The fourth principle is quitting can never be an option. When I stood outside my Spanish class and I was so hopeless and I was thinking, okay, there, there seems to be hope. There's the financial aid office, but they're telling me they can't help me. I didn't think the Commission for the Blind could help me. And I was so hopeless, Elise, the thought kept coming in my mind. Why don't I just go back to the dormitory, pack my bags, call my parents, and say, I quit. I don't see how I can go on. But what changed my mind was that I began to reflect on all the obstacles and hurdles I had overcome to get that far. And I thought to myself, now, wait a minute, was all of that for nothing? Did I fight that hard for nothing? I can't let it end this way. So no matter how difficult, 
No matter how painful and no matter how hopeless things may seem at times, just know that quitting can never be an option under any circumstances. Mm. Yeah, it's a lot easier, isn't it? It's just a lot easier to quit. It's funny that you say that. I've got good memories. As you say that there, Nancy, I'm running through in my mind some of the things that that I may have walked away from my, in my life, and I want, you know, I've often wondered, should I have? But you've, what a beautiful thing to spark. So lovely. So keep going. Yeah. Number five? Okay, number five is be bold. You know, I told you about when I would show up at the school district, and I wasn't a teacher yet, but I acted like I was, and I said, I'm here for the workshop, and it was just for teachers. And they're like, well, this is for teachers. Well, you're going to hire me this fall. Don't worry about it. I can come <laughs> to the workshop. And they're like, Okay, you know, you just, you have to be bold. You have to act like you're already there. See yourself already living your dream. I mean, who can say no to that? Um, it's just amazing because you just, you have to be bold. You have to put yourself out there and do what, what it is that you're here to do. Life is too short to live with a life of fear and a life of uncertainty and a life of doubting yourself. You can't be like that. You've got to be out there and live your purpose. Like you said, work on purpose. That's yeah, that's it, exactly it. And what I love about how you phrase that, which is different from what I've heard other versions, and I like your version much better, it's different than fake it until you make it. That's different. When you say be bold, you're actually actualizing what is already there. That's the that's difference. It. I love that. That's it. That's it. And then you believe it yourself when you've lived like that for so long. You do. The, the sixth principle is refine your perception. Okay, so what do I mean by that? Now, I've told you about all of the obstacles and mountains that were in my way, but I'm going to tell you something right now, that my mountain was never my blindness. Mm. My mountain was my fear of my blindness, my Mm. fear of what's going to become of my life. And I guarantee that if anybody is not where they're supposed to be right now, it's because of fear. If anyone is being held back right now from their purpose, it's not because of the obstacles. It's not because of any mountain. It's because of fear. My fear, before I lost my sight, the only blind person I'd ever seen in my hometown was a man, a blind man that would sit at a Kmart, and he would be begging. So once I went blind, that vision of him in my mind, was, it was just burned into my mind, and I kept saying to myself, my gosh, is that my destiny? Is that how I'm going to end up? I'm, I'm going to be a beggar? I don't want that. And that, it, it just created this intense fear inside of me. And by the time I got to high school, I acted on that fear, and I began to give up. So we can't allow the fear. We have to identify that fear. So refine your perception. Identify the perception you have of the struggles in your life. It's not what you normally think it is. I guarantee it's almost always just fear. So... Get rid of that fear. Mm, such a great point, Nancy. I couldn't agree more. I love what you said there, that your fear was not, that you were not, it was not your blindness that you feared, but your fear of being blind. I think that's really gorgeous, really important point. It is so true. It is so very true. I mean, because if it were my blindness, I would not be where I am today. You know, and you've already read the introduction. I've made it. I've lived my dream as a teacher. I'm a successful business owner. Uh, you know, it, 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 and so it has nothing to do with blindness. It, has n- it never did, and it never will. The last principle is, know this, your success does not belong solely to you. And this is what I mean. After I had been teaching for many years, 
the National Education Association featured my story in their national magazine. And when it appeared in the magazine, I received phone calls and letters from all over the country. But there was one teacher from a New York high school that I will never forget her phone call. She called and she said, Nancy, I read your article, and we have a student here at our high school named Melissa, and she is the only student in our high school who is visually impaired. And I said, oh, wow, I was the only one in my high school, too. She said, I know, I read your story. (laughs) I said, okay. And she said, Melissa is a sophomore, and she is talking very seriously about dropping out of high school. And I said, oh, wow, that was the year I talked seriously about dropping out of high school. She said, I know, I read your story. (laughs) Okay. I said, what can I do for you? And she said, I want you to know that I read your story in the magazine to Melissa. And after I read you, read her your story, she now seems to believe that because you made it, just maybe, she can too. This is why I say your success does not belong solely to you. For when you succeed, you provide evidence to everyone who is watching that it can be done. Everyone can go above and beyond what most believe to be possible. So get out there and prove them wrong. Achieve more than most believe to be possible so your success can inspire others to move up and forward. Oh, Nancy, you are just a pure delight. I'm so grateful that you agreed to come on the show. We have just maybe one more minute here. I want to give you the chance to say anything else you might like to say to our listeners before we wrap things up. Anything else in that beautiful heart and soul of yours? I will leave you with this quote of mine that I I say it every chance I get, and it is this. Have the courage to hear what others say is impossible and believe you will be the one to make it happen. Oh, that's a wonderful way to finish, Nancy. I am going to share this show with anybody within shouting distance. So I think there's many pearls of wisdom in this show, and I really appreciate you and Porsche for being on the show today. Thanks so much. Thank you, Elise. Just a few things I want to reiterate about what she said there. This, what she said about the idea of it was not, it was not my blindness that she was afraid of, her blindness that she was afraid of, but her fear of it. I think that's a really important point for us to remember and and really focus on those seven key principles. You can listen to the show over and over again to get those really emblazoned in your mind and your heart to keep you going. So I think those are well worth listening to, especially if you get stuck. So if you want to learn more about Nancy and her company, Prove Them Wrong, please do visit her website. It's www.provethemwrong.com. She mentioned her book series. I really encourage you to check that out. She said that you can find them on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, so there's lots to work from for there. Uh, I will certainly be on the lookout for them myself. I'm very intrigued by them. Nancy, thank you so much for that. Um, next week, we have a, an interesting guest here to also complement what, what we talked about this week. Uh, on the show with us will be Gavin Doyle from San Francisco. At age 17, he's already a very impressive and accomplished entrepreneur who has turned his love of all things Disney into two websites and a recently released book called The Secrets of Disneyland. 
very impressive young man who I think has a very promising future ahead of him. I hope you'll tune in and join us. Remember that the stories that we try to bring you each week are meant to be able to to feed your mind, your soul, your spirit, to keep you on track and remind you that you too can achieve the dreams that you wish for. So I hope that Nancy's message today was uh, yet another reminder of that and a powerful one at that. Remember, as what I always like to close my shows with, work is at least one-third of our life, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.